Welcome to Forward Thinking with Ryan Patelli, meaningful conversations between Ryan Patelli and the people he believes have trailblazed by being forward thinking in their field, industry, or even within real estate. Ryan is defining a new era of residential real estate. An unparalleled commitment to achieving excellence sees him as one of the most desired property and lifestyle advisors in the Twin Cities. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're back for another episode of Forward Thinking with a great guest of mine, Dominic DeMarais. Um, He is one of the top uh, lenders here and want to you know to chat a little bit about what's going on in the market. Uh, he's got some very, very unique um, programs that will help some people, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because this it's called forward thinking for a reason. Um, markets change, you know, uh, situations change, everything kind of has um, you know reasons for people to adopt. And that's why we're here and uh, we're sitting here at a perfect time because there's a lot of uncertainty out in the economy and the world. Rates are starting to kind of take a, you know, a little bit of a hike. Um, so it's a perfect time. Uh, Dom, do you want to introduce yourself uh, a little sure. bit to the, to the viewers? Sure. Uh, I'm Dominic DeMarais and I've been doing this since August of 1997. So just a day or two, uh, seen a few cycles, seen a few up cycles, a few down cycles. And uh, I really have enjoyed pretty much all of it. You know, maybe there's a few months there in 08 that was a little more interesting and maybe it wasn't so much fun. But it's something that I love to do. I chose mortgage uh, coming from corporate America. And um, I got to admit, for me, it's a passion. I absolutely love what I do. I'm, I feel very fortunate in the fact that I get to do, help people every single day. And that's it's my a, focus. It's a gift, though, sometimes, I think, you know, to want to help people get into one of the largest assets, whether it's on the loan side, whether it's on the agent side. A lot of people, you know, they don't, they maybe take it for granted, but uh, after the process, when you can look back at everything, you know, it's, it's great to look back at that client and say, or have them even say, Dom, amazing job. Thank you so much. Or, and this is something we'll get into is just being creative to help them in their situation, because that's why when I first got into it, it was like, no two clients are the same. You're always being challenged. You have to try to figure this, you know, out because they really want, you know, to live in this area or this house or, you know, the family's grown. Whatever the scenario is, how can we help them make their dreams come true? So, um, but thank you so much for, you know, taking time. Let's jump in a little bit with just today's environment. Obviously, we're sitting here. Uh, by the time this comes out in a couple of weeks, uh, things will change. But uh, we're sitting here, um, let's just call it the beginning of April. Um, rates have gone up, you know, in the last uh, three months. And, you know, the Fed, you know, continuously indicates that they're going to make some more adjustments. And I think we're at a point where most people thought we might be at the end of 2022. So tell me your thoughts, feelings, you know, on some of that stuff that's going on right now with just the Fed and uh, where rates are kind of going and what you maybe anticipate where they will go and be, you know, in the next 12 months. Sure. I'd be no happy. pressure, by the way. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and here's the funny thing. This is probably the, the mechanical side that's not, you know, the most riveting information, but it's great information to have. Um, because the more you understand, sir, what's going on in the economy, um, the easier it gets. Um, you know, interesting thing. Um, you know, Reagan changed how he measured inflation to make his numbers look better back in the 80s. So if we take out that consumer price inflation, use the old one, we're in the highest inflation since 1945. 
So the facts are, the way you tap down inflation usually is by higher interest rates. Um, so that's something that we just need to be aware of, uh, that rates have to be tapped down. Now the Fed deals a lot with short-term rates, and of course the mortgage is a long-term rate, but generally they, they will somewhat move in the same direction. But the bigger threat to mortgage rates right now is the mortgage-backed securities the Federal Reserve owns. And if they start selling those off, uh, then we'll see the rates move even quicker as far as the long-term rates. Um, but interesting thing, Reinhardt, you may be aware of this already. So if I, if I bore you, you know, just keep smiling. Not, not me. <laughs> Again, this is this is really for you know the listeners and everyone else. It's it's more about education. Um, you know, I I always learn something new every single day. It doesn't matter who it's from, and I always I enjoy that. But you know, speak, you know, generally too, because the listener, I, I always like to say, if somebody has this, you know, question, probably more people do as well. So, True. so yeah, don't, don't feel like you're uh, just talking to me. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know, the short-term bonds, the short-term yields are actually inverted from the long-term yields. 95% of the time when that's happened, it's indicated a recession in the next 12 to 24 months. Now, a lot of people that, that talk to me, they're like, recession, that's going to be great. The housing market's going to improve because <laughs> rate, our values are going to go down. So what I did, and I'm a numbers geek. You know, you and I have talked about that before. I, I'm the guy who will count ceiling tiles while I'm waiting because somebody's going <laughs> to beat me, right? But so I went back and did a study from 1950 till now. So it's a 70-year trend. And out of all those recessions, only once did home values drop. And that was in 07, 08 when the housing market actually created the recession. So people are waiting, thinking, well, we're gonna wait for the next recession when housing values come down. That's actually not going to occur. There is no indication that that's going to occur. And we also have a demographic issue that's it's not going to occur. So before the first baby boomer turned 62, 25% of owner-occupied homes in, in the Minnesota were owned by someone 62 or older. January of next year, it's forecasted 38% will be owned by someone um, 62 or older. So 13 percentage of the market is going to the retired. Remember that, 38 percent. That might come up later in our conversation with uh, you know, some of the products we're going to yep. talk about. And we have the second peak year of millennial buying. Now, there were supposed to only be four years of peak millennial buying, but about 20 percent of millennials last year were unable to buy because there wasn't enough inventory. So we're now predicting another four to five years of this before this will be over. So there's no indication values are coming back down. So you got the values rising. Now, the good news on that, you might have seen the statistic, we were averaging about 6.6 .6 years, someone would live in a home before they'd sell and buy. Yeah. Now it's down to four because of the gray appreciation. So if you are thinking of selling and buying, fantastic time to do it. If you're thinking of buying and saying, well, I'll wait, well, here's the truth. Right now, uh, if we look at Case Schiller, they're forecasting 18% depreciation this year. Federal Housing Finance Agency at 17%, that's the parent of Fannie and Freddie. And then um, something called Goldman Sachs. Some people might have heard of them. Small little firm. Small little firm. They're saying about 16%. Taking those numbers into account, either you're going to buy and that you'll take advantage of that appreciation, or you'll wait and that appreciation will be working against you. It's one of the two. Along with rates. Along, Along with, with rates. A lot of other things. Yeah. Right. Exactly correct. Now, Citibank, another little firm that most people probably haven't heard of, uh, they're forecasting the rates will go up two more percentage points this year. Now, that's the most aggressive I've seen. Um, I think most people are more expecting, you know, in the one to one and a half range, uh, which then gets us somewhere in mid fives to probably, you know, maybe low sixes. 
Uh, but then next year, everyone's sort of expecting that we're going to be seeing sevens and potentially even eights the year after that. Um, now, when I say that... Which is oh, still average. Oh, actually, these are great rates. Historically, <laughs> right. these are still fantastic rates, but we've all gotten used to that lower rate environment. Yep. If it didn't have a three or a two, you know, we were like, wow. And now we're kind of getting that, uh, that little shock. That is correct. And, and it's, it's a shock pretty quick, too, because, you know, typically it's a little bit more gradual. Three months into the, you know, the new year, all of a sudden, like, it just skyrocketed hockey stick to kind of, you know, the other direction. So people weren't prepared for it. Typically, again, it takes people a little bit longer, especially in today's environment, to find that house, get it under contract, to actually move forward on it. And now they're sitting there going, oh, shit, right? Like... It's going to take me that much longer now it's going to take me that you know a little bit more to actually pay for this house and where does that fall now pre-approval wise rate or payment wise on a monthly side all of it so for you i'm i'm sitting having conversations with buyers too of like let's look at this because it's probably not going to improve it's you're not that your pre-approval that you got six months ago no longer exists right. <laughs> we have to actually look forward here and say what are you looking for the next six months and that payment and what does that mean because when we go look out at properties competition is still high i mean multiple offers is still a thing we are seeing less you know uh, appraisal gap coverages and some of those things waiving inspections it's not as normal um, i know there's a period there that it just felt like every offer was expected to have that not really as much anymore, but you're still looking at multiple bids, you know, quite frequently. Absolutely, I'm seeing that with my clients. Um, the one thing I, I would I would tell anybody though who's thinking of buying right now, what have your wages done in the last twelve months? Um, because a report just came out today, and you remember I read three to five economic articles every morning, other than Sunday. So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a geek. Uh, I love that about me though. If you want to talk statistics, I love it. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is. Non-government wages are up 10.5% in the last 12 months. So if people actually had their wages go up that much, finally, the, the, the percentage, even with the interest rate rising as much as it has, the payments only change about two percentage points. So actually, for most people, it's still very affordable to actually buy in this market. And I think people forget that their wages went up, you know, um, in this whole piece. And the other thing is, and you've probably seen it, I'm sure you, you are seeing statistics on this, Rents are forecast to go up 11 to 17% this year. So again, you're almost better off being in a home and then you're gaining value, you're gaining equity. I mean, I have someone just three years ago bought, they have $160,000 in equity and they're moving up already. And I have to admit, I was a little surprised they were moving that quick and they're like, with this equity, why not why take not? advantage of the next opportunity? Um, yeah. And I absolutely agree. So I think this market, I actually think it's a, Fun in many ways. It's challenging for our for our buyers, but it's also a lot of fun in finding ways to to find those homes and to structure those in a way for our clients to get homes. I think you brought up a good point. Uh, rents and a lot of people don't look at that uh, because they just always like it's easy, right? Like it's easy to sign a lease. I can stay here for another year. I know exactly what my payment uh, on rent is going to be. I get it, but they are going up mm -hmm. and rents. Are, I mean, they've increased pretty significantly, and then some people will be like, well, we've got control on that. Well, not, not really, right? Um, so to your point, I think a lot of those entry-level starter, you know, first-time home buyers, they need to be educated on that because um, the longer you do wait, the more of a challenge it will be. 
if you revert back to, you said 2007, 2008, <clears throat> when you actually did have the recession effect, you know, housing, that was different from the standpoint of, and what I'm seeing, even first time home buyers looking at purchasing a half a million dollar house with 20% down. 2007, 2008, you had people that were just walking through the door that were getting pre-approved <laughs> that we had no idea if they could afford a house, right? right. So. Times are totally different. I think what makes this, and people will say, I was reading, you know, I dig into comments and I do read, you know, a lot as well. And I was looking at something and, and because rates started shooting up and because of uh, pricing and where everything is going, everyone thinks we're in this bubble and they're just waiting for it to pop. And I just, just don't see right now how that happens because in 2007, 2008, we had like eight and a half months supply of inventory and that was housing. So people had options, right? Correct. Today, we're less than one month supply of inventory. And what that means, right? If no other houses come on the market, we will be completely sold out of inventory in one month. Correct. Eight and a half versus one. Like So it's a competition. It's an inventory issue. But people have the money and the means and the savings because they've been diligent to make this happen now. It's just being able to find them in the right place. So... Very, very, you know, basic supply and demand, you know, right there. But it's just one of those things that, I mean, I would love for a lot of my, you know, first-time homebuyers to be able to get properties easier. I would, but it's just not reality today, unfortunately. No, and I don't see any way that the inventory is going to catch up in the near future. You know, my <laughs> my, my joke here, although I somewhat am being serious, um, you know, one of the problems we have is we got rid of shop in high schools in the late 80s, early 90s. And the trades. That's exactly correct. So I, you know, I do <clears throat> modeling loans too, and I work with a lot of builders, and the builders hardly have anyone who's start, who, who are in the ages of the 40s or 30s. Yeah. And that's all because we encouraged a whole group of young people to go to college. And I'm not saying college is bad, Ryan. That's not what I'm saying. But it did leave us in this great gap since 07, 08, which when builders have either went out of business or had to reduce their building significantly. And they didn't hire. And now we're trying to catch up in hiring, and there's no one to hire. Now, mm -hmm. the good news is I think we have a lot of you know late teens, early 20s that are starting to consider that a viable option. And they definitely are making significantly more money for that option, by the way. Yeah. Easy supply and demand, right? Like now you now you need you know supply of those tradesmen. I'm with you. That's one of the biggest misses. And you know people will look at it from the standpoint the the end consumer, the consumers out there. They'll be like, well, the supply chains are completely busted. But you also have to remember, like, there's only so many tradesmen. If you want somebody to literally work on a property and build it correctly, there's only so many people right now that can do it. Period. Correct. Like, there's no one being trained behind these people. So like, you know, there's even locally, we've got we've got holes dug, foundations laid, waiting for frames to be put up on the West Metro, and there's no framers available to make this happen. And Ryan, what do you think a framer makes in today's world? Because I just financed a couple in the last 12 months. So I, I, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're six figures. Uh, they're very close. Okay. I'm seeing frame. I'm talking framers. I'm not talking finishers. I'm not talking the specialty guys. I'm talking, because, you know, really your, your first job at construction sites usually pushing the broom, yeah. cleaning up, right? Sure. Your second's usually framing, and I'm not ripping on framers. I could not frame. My frame would look. <laughs> I couldn't either. Okay, my frame would look terrible. You wouldn't want to live in that house. But a framer, they're making upper five digits. 
they're making very nice number and finishers finishers can be making one hundred forty thousand dollars a year. That's not out of the question. So I think it's a viable option um, for young people to go into that trade now. You know, they look at a lot of the white collar fields. A lot of them they pay good, mm-hmm. but they aren't those type of numbers, and you're carrying the debt. So I do think in the years to come we'll catch up, but I also think we'll be at the end of the millennial buying, and that's something Ryan and you we have to think about being in the industry. Is the Z group as big as the millennials? Mm-hmm. It's not. And here's a funny little anecdote to 2007, 2008. Do you know who was in their peak buying years back then? The X generation. Yeah. Do you know that X generation? I'm an, I'm an Xer, by the way. And we're a tiny little group between the millennials and the baby boomers, right? And no one talks about that. But that was, it, there was also a demand problem back in 07, 08, not just the loans, mm-hmm. not just the builders overbuilding, but also a demand issue. Yeah. And that's a, that's the interesting thing we're going to see when the Z's come. Yeah, so you know, kind of circling back a little bit, like so. Yeah, rents are also going to increase. Uh, property value. So it to me, when you actually look at it, and it is staggering when you just said a client of yours three years. When you know, I'm looking at some clients that I'm helping them sell as far as what they can use for down payment and how we make that work. Can we use the equity? Do they need to sell? Do they need to be contingent? All those things. But you look at it, yeah, they might have bought three, four, five years ago, and they're walking away with a hundred plus thousand dollars of equity. Correct. And in conversations with other people, financial planners, wealth managers, I'm like, where else can you get a nineteen to almost twenty percent return? You can't. I mean, there's a lot of risk you could take to potentially get right. there, but housing over again historic has been one of the best vehicles to to build wealth to put your money into. And yes, I understand there's things that come up and the furnace might go out in the coldest, you know, day of the year, but it's still worth it on the return and you're you're not paying just a rent and getting zero in, in the tax deductions and the equity and the appreciation out of it. So for those that are sitting there maybe contemplating whether they, you know, wait another, you know, 12 months, don't, you know, start the process now. And the process actually starts with this guy before it starts even with me or before you jump on Zillow or Realer.com or any other website because you really need to understand the finances and how that goes before you go and fall in love with a house because most of the time if you fall in love with a house, we hate to break it to you, but it's going to be maybe bad news. <laughs> that, well, that, that's true. And you know, one last thing I want to say about wealth creation before we leave yeah. this subject. You know... Um, probably a lot of buyers, either they have parents or grandparents that are baby boomers. In January of this year, for the first time, do you know where the 62 and overs crowd most wealth is? Their housing. Before that, it was 401ks and IRAs, so retirement investments, but now it became housing. And that's something I would encourage future generations to give consideration to. And the fact that a big portion of your wealth is going to be housing, and every year you wait... It's just a little less than it would be. Well, or compounds, right? You know, we're taking advantage of that. I forget what the stat is. You might know it, but uh, how many uh, people right now own properties free and clear? Do you know? It's a pretty significant number. Yeah, it, last time I saw it, I thought it was around 30%. Yeah, so. I was going to say 30, 35%. So that's pretty significant, right? Like, you know, you got 35% of people to call it out there that own their properties free and clear. Yeah, 60, almost 60%, a little less than 60% of people when they retire uh, do have paid off homes. So then again, if you just consider just the baby boomer again, right? 
If about 38% of owner-occupied homes, 60% of that, you're already at 24. Then you take people in the working years, there's a, there's a number of percentage points there. So that all adds up to the same numbers. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, one of the uh, programs, you know, you're really forward on, right? The reverse mortgage. Correct. Um, not a lot of people know what it is. Not a lot of people understand it or what the benefit is. So take a little bit, you know, educate us, you know, and why do you think, you know, right now is a good time, you know, for people to even consider it? Well, the reverse mortgage, uh, and I'm going to speak specifically to Minnesota today, because um, in other states there are some different reverse mortgages available. So we're going to talk about just this state. And in this state, uh, the reverse mortgage is a government loan, which is the FHA reverse mortgage. It's called a HECM Home Equity Conversion Mortgage. And what it does allows you to access equity in your home. So on a refi basis, you know, we just talked about all these paid off homes, all the equity that's sitting there for people 62 or older. Sometimes they think it's great to get this paid off home. But the challenge is the kids really don't want it when they're gone. So the kids are just going to sell it. And it just, it's just a bucket of cash to, the, to them, right? Mm -hmm. So it would be beneficial for them to actually use that as a savings account. Because really when you make your mortgage payment each month, you're paying into another savings account, which we just talked about wealth. How do you access that wealth? What's your plan for that in retirement? And that's my, my number one question I ask someone, Ryan. So what's your plan for your home equity? And yeah, you're laughing. That's usually what I get. They give me sort of the look like, well, what, what do you mean? mean? Yeah. Well, you saved up for your, your you, you have Social Security. Maybe you have pension. You paid into that all your working years. You plan to take it from when you retire. You also may have put away 401k, IRA, stocks, bonds, life insurance. You plan to pull from that when you retire. Then you get your third savings account called home equity. And most people have no idea what they're going to use that for. And um, so I challenge people, but here's where I find this a little more interesting, which I think pertains a little bit more to what we're talking to today. So Fairway Independent Mortgage, who I work for, fantastic company, largest employee-owned mortgage company in the nation. We have over 12,000 employees servicing the whole country. We are number one when it comes to reverse for purchase. And now, Ryan, you are head and toes above most of the competition. You already know this. You understand these programs. But I will tell you that a lot of people don't. So when I say, hey, you should use the reverse for purchase, most people look at me and go, what do you mean? What's, what's reverse for purchase mean? But to put it in very simple terms, let's say someone has a half million dollar paid off home and the maintenance is killing them, right? They're, they're maybe in their mid to late 70s. They got to hire someone to maintenance the yard because they can't get around as well as they used to. They need to hire someone to move the snow. They need a handy person to come in and, and fix around the house. They may have a housekeeper coming in to, to clean the house, right? Um, and sometimes you walk in those homes, sometimes the decks are a little spongy or sure. doors are locked hinges. In other words- There's some deferred maintenance. There's some deferred maintenance. And yet they feel like they're stuck. They feel like they don't want a mortgage payment again. And they went out and looked at homes that are 500,000, they don't like them. But when they see single-level townhomes that are six, seven hundred thousand, they like what they see, but they do not want a mortgage payment again. And for people who don't know how to represent those people, they don't know there's an opportunity there. But let's say someone sold that house, they sold for five hundred thousand dollars. Now they got five hundred thousand in cash, and they wanted to go buy a six hundred thousand um, dollar, you know, one-level townhome. Potentially, depending on the age and things like that, that changes a little bit because it is based on age. Yep. They put about $300,000 down on a $600,000 purchase. 
They never have a payment again the rest of their life. So as long as they live, by the way, at 150, the reverse mortgage does expire. So <laughs> we're okay at the moment. We haven't made 150 yet. Not too many people make it there. No, 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 not yet. But now, not only did, did we move into somewhere that's a single level townhome, their maintenance costs went down. They're able to live an easier life because there's no stairs. And best yet, we put 200000 in their pocket to either invest or go spend and enjoy life. Plus, they're in a home with less maintenance. We brought down their cash flow. And that's the fun thing. Um, I just received an amazing email last week. I get more thank you emails from people who do reverse mortgages than anyone else. Because I, it's a little bit life-changing. We are taking so much pressure off them financially, and we're putting them in a better place physically. So it's really a win-win scenario. And um, I personally believe in today's market, and that's why I was excited about the statistic about January, um, there being more home equity than retirement dollars. That market is an unbelievable opportunity right now, especially here in Minnesota. I think there's we could get a lot of listings to help millennials get into homes. Because we need those homes. We need those homes. Those are those are those entry level homes that we need, and you know people are willing to go into them with some of the deferred maintenance and take that on, you know, Correct. as a starter type house, right? That's <clears throat> that's how I bought my first house, and a lot of people look at it like you need to do some of those things. Yeah, you know, and that's home ownership. Um, so there are a lot of untapped, you know, uh, properties, untapped ways to help those individuals see that there's another avenue out there for them to be able to buy, um, but not get stuck. You know, right. not, like you said, not take on another mortgage or for you know, their family to have to take that responsibility on if they end up passing sooner than they planned. That's correct. And, and the beauty of the reverse mortgage is the fact that um, the debt can never be inherited by the adult children. And in most cases, there's a, there's a nice amount of equity still left. Uh, for the adult children, because that's a misperception too. Um, so it, it's, it can be really a win-win scenario. And if it is somebody that does have a fair amount of assets um, and they use it as a as purchase mortgage, um, there's potential tax benefits too. Hmm. They may pay less in taxes and give the adult children actually more inheritance, not less. And that's wow. that, that, that sort of, most people don't, they're like, how would that work? I take out debt and I actually <laughs> have more inheritance and that's actually the case. But um, it's a lot of fun. I um. I love helping that particular market segment, and it's great. What does somebody need to do, you know, to, I mean, is it the same type of application qualification, like, you know, that is interested in it? You know, obviously, outside of calling Don, outside <laughs> of, you know, getting in touch with him. But, you know, again, I think, I mean, you started talking about reverses a couple years ago. I mean, I remember it first, and, and even I at the time was kind of like, Scratching my head, like, okay, like, yeah, it might fit like a small little group, but like, you were onto something. Um, and I still think it's very, very early um, for a lot of people, and they don't know. Correct. They don't, they don't understand it. Um, you have to be educated about it. So, are there good resources outside of yourself or on your websites or, you know, anything that you can help, you know, point them in the right direction too? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, there is um, an, a national um, real. Uh, I got National Retirement Mortgage um, Lending Association, and they have a lot of great things for reverse. Um, so that's fantastic. You certainly go on the FHA website. Now, if you are going to buy a book, though, you got to be very careful. And let me explain what I mean. So the federal government in 2014-15 had a choice what to do with the reverse mortgage. 
They either could change it and make some significant changes, or they could decide to no longer operate. Now again, they saw how much assets were coming with, with the home equity, and they decided to significantly change it. So if you do buy a book that's before mm. about 2015, it's gonna be inaccurate. I know I just had a client that had a book from 2009 and the information was completely incorrect. So if you are gonna go out there and buy, there's a number of books out there. Um, you know, I know Harlan Cole is a, a good author, Dan Holberg is a good author. So there's some authors you could look at. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of financial advisors are not aware, um, but, yeah. but, if they, but if they are, if the, your financial advisor is part of the Minnesota Financial Planning Association, um, there's been a number of classes given for those financial advisors that they could certainly have a lot more information too. I think that's an untapped resource too, you know, those financial advisors and those planners. Uh, and this isn't a knock on them if any of them are listening. I just, no, I mean, I, and that's why, again, this is always called like forward thinking. Like we can't get so caught up in how we did business 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Like we need to keep relevant for our clients. That's why they come to us. That's why they want information from us. That's why I pride myself on being more of a knowledge broker and understanding what is happening? And again, when I said in the very beginning of the podcast, every client, you know, is going to be different and it's like the puzzle and that's the challenge. So instead of just, you know, off the shelf, you know, here's a loan or here's like, that's, that's be more uh, thoughtful about it when it comes time to maybe help somebody who is in, you know, their later stages in life and be like, you know what, have you you know thought of this? Instead of just trying to do the off-the-shelf type of thing. So again, uh, financial planners, you know, I think it is a good opportunity. I know you market to them quite a bit and you've got a lot of them in your Rolodex. I do. And um, something that is a mind changer though, for people that have heard of reverse, by the way, the majority of the country has not even known what reverse <laughs> is. So Ryan, you hit right in the head well, there's a, this conversation. But. I think they've been so caught up in more so the market is on fire or the market's brutal. I'm a first time home buyer. I can't find a house. I have to go $100,000 above that. Like they're, you know, they're going down that kind of rabbit right. hole versus, you know, okay, if we do look at this from a logical standpoint, who owns the most properties and why are they not moving? Correct. I mean, I think we, before we even hit record, we started talking about that market and that was one of the ones I was also going to bring up is like, why are these people not moving? Because that's the inventory that people need. That's exactly correct. And 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 if you have heard of reverse, a lot of them think they can use it. They can basically wait to the very end. And in 2014, this became an income-based loan. So the challenge is, if you wait too long, even if your home is paid off, you may not be able to get access to the equity. So it really is a planning tool. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's no different than our first-time home buyer that we maybe have someone that has a credit challenge or maybe they're carrying a lot of debt for the income they have. And we, you and I work with that client, we get them put in the best scenario possible, and then they go find a home and everyone's happy, right? And to me, it's the same with your over the age of 62 person and the fact that we, need, we may need to work with them. We may need to get them in a perfect scenario. But that's why I always believe, you know, I know sometimes people are like, oh, Don, this person doesn't want to buy now. They don't want to buy for another year or two. And I'm like, great, send them over. And they're yeah, like, right. well, what? And I'm like, yes, let's create a plan. Let's educate them and create that plan. Exactly, education. And, and, and to me, I think that's something that's really missed a lot of times. Um, there's too many people in the marketplace that just, well, let's do a transaction. Let's make something happen. And, and again, we all want to help people and get them in homes. But I think part of the education is when's the, when, how much education can we give them? 
and how can we best prepare them? And, and if I can play off something you said a little earlier, we're going into busy season, it's April, and typically April to October, almost every Saturday, you know what happens? <laughs> I get a call about midday, and I go, hey, Dom, we got this person who wants to make an offer, and they haven't talked to a lender yet. Well, I'm going to give them the best package I can find, right? However, had they talked to me three to six months before, I probably could have got them even a better program or package because I could have helped them plan and be in an optimum situation. Now, that being said, I'm going to do the best I possibly can for them that day, but it's usually not as good as it could have been if we saw them in advance. And that's something I would encourage you know, the listeners that no matter what stage you are, whether you're a first-time home buyer, whether you're a re reverse buyer, or anywhere in between, if you can start planning. Now, that being said, Ryan, you know what? I might drive past a house today and buy one, okay? So I, I might be that person. But, uh, planning and preparation and patience, I think, are, you know, they're, they're so critical. Um, and, and a plan doesn't mean it's going to go exact. Correct. But you need to have something at least outlined and, and have these conversations on the front end. And then the preparation as far as making sure, like, whether it's your credit score, whether it's your down payment, whether, like, you just, you're, you're ready to go. And then please be patient. Like the last few years, I've seen it. I've been on the other end when I've been a listing uh, agent on it. And some of these buyers, I just don't think, I think they just settled and they, they weren't 100% satisfied, but it was a house, right? Correct. They got so caught up in the FOMO. And I don't want to say talked buyers out of it, but you need to educate them. They need to be the final decision maker, but you have to make sure they understand what is going on so be patient even if rates are starting to go up i know social media everything else mainstream media all of it is like rates are going up buy now buy now buy now buy buy when it's right for you correct i've been doing this long enough where and you've been doing it longer you you gave your your stats but <laughs> So I just thought, um, but buy when it's right for you. Don't get caught up in that. Don't like do what's good best for you and your family or whatever your situation is. Don't try to, you know, just um, buy because it's what others are doing or it's the FOMO of missing out on a percent or a rate that your neighbor over the fence when you guys are having beers or whatever. I got a 3% rate. Well, you know, I was at a five. That's, that's okay. Your guys' timing was different. Your situation is different. It doesn't matter. It's not a comparative scenario. So if some of the advice that I always want to give my uh, my clients when I talk to them is, are those, you know, you got to have a plan. And if they don't have a plan, then start talking about it. I'm with you. I would rather have somebody come to me a year in advance and say, this is what we're trying to do. And I don't care how many times I talk to them throughout that next year. Correct. Or if it even takes longer. I don't care. But at the end of it, they're way more satisfied that I have seen. And then having that plan, preparing right, and being patient typically is a great formula for success. Yeah, you know, something that I feel like the two, the two critical things, in my opinion, are you ready to be a homeowner? And what does that really mean? Because I actually walk a person through what it's like to be a homeowner all the way through. And that includes trimming trees and <laughs> raking, okay? Um, so it's, it's all that, those fun things. But the second thing is, does the payment fit in your financial life? Um, you know, I go out and talk to high school seniors, and now the high schools are actually letting me come back in a little bit, at least the pandemic. Yeah. We hope it's behind us. We sure. don't know. We're saying this in April 22, <laughs> so I don't know what the future holds. But does the payment really fit in your financial life? And what do you want your lifestyle to look like? And to me, that's a key component mm -hmm. when you talk to a homeowner, a future homeowner, 
What do you want to do? How much travel do you want to do? What sporting events do you still want to attend? What concerts do you still want to go to? All those other fun things that we all want to want to be part of. And if we've really done great planning, and maybe they tell, tell you and me straight up, hey, you know what? We only want to be in this home for three to five years because uh, maybe it's not the exact school district we want. Or maybe, hey, we're not living right next to the, to the what will be grandparents. We want to have a kid about four or five years on the road, hopefully. So we want to move closer yeah. to the grandparents for a free babysitting. <laughs> I mean, somewhat funny, but not completely. I know both of us have I young understand. kids. Yeah. Yeah, both of us have young kids, so I'm not completely joking. But the... Um, but those are the components to me to get someone ready, right? Sure. And if we do that well, people are going to be happy to be homeowners. And because um, that's the other thing I will say, you know, if you read some of the magazines, financial magazines, they'll always say, max up what you can buy. And I'm a little bit more of a balanced approach. I believe make sure what you buy is going to fit your in your financial picture. Because here's the unfortunate statistics again. Only about 15% of the country actually budgets. 85% sort of pay the bills and see what's left at the end of the month. Mm. And that's mm. fine. I love working with both groups. It doesn't matter to me. But it is important that if, you, if you're just paying the bills, see what's left at the end of the month. I mean, there's sometimes people come to me and they want to make a double the mortgage payment that they're paying on rent. And they don't have much in savings. Well, to me, if you're good at what you do, you're going to want to ask that question, what are you giving up? And sometimes people look at me and go, well, what do you mean give up? Well, if you aren't saving that amount now, something in lifestyle has to change. And quite often, they'll buy a little less and they'll make some changes in lifestyle both. And you know what happens six months after closing? They're happy because they knew what to be prepared for, right? right? Yeah. Usually, us as humans, I don't think we're very good if we're not prepared for it. But if we know something's coming, eh, we're okay with it, right? <laughs> I mean, like, we know January's coming again about eight, nine months. And we know it's going to be below zero. And... We won't get excited, but we know there's an end to it. The expectations. That's exactly correct, but yeah. we know it, it all works out. So that's a big component. In today's market, and even with what's going on, um, what do you think the biggest challenge is? I think the biggest challenge, well, first of all, I think when you go out and look, you have to be ready to, to make an offer that day. And I think for a lot of people, they would rather contemplate. And, and I know myself, I'm more of a thinker than I'm mm -hmm. uh, let's go jump off the cliff into the water. Um, well, well, you can't, but huh? Yeah, we're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, and, and, I, and I use the joke sometimes too, where it's like, I can't even choose a pair of shoes <laughs> in 15 minutes. How are you supposed to expect me to walk through a house in 15 minutes when there's 30 other people trying to bust through the door to see the house or there's 30 people in the house and you want me to make a decision? Like, but I agree. It is tough. Well, and I think, you know, we've chatted for years and I think our approach is not that, it's pretty similar in the fact of make a list of everything you want in a house and then start numbering it. What's the most important. And especially as a first time home buyer, if you get to your top three to five, Okay, that's probably going to work for you. Um, this is probably not your last house. Um, you know, I will tell you, normal mm -hmm. transition, there's going to be a first-time home buyer. Sometimes they're single. Sometimes, you know, they're dating. Sometimes they're early married. Then usually there is a move up there uh, when the kids get in school. Then there's what I call the teenage house. That's usually a big house, but not the nicest, okay? But there's lots of room. <laughs> and then comes usually the, uh, you know, the retirement or the downsized house and that house a lot of times is even more expensive than the teenage house but it has the nicest finishes the nice electronics the best of everything and i'm sure you see the exact yeah. same thing 
So this is not going to be your final home. So make sure your top three to five things, whatever they are, and I think it's really personal for each individual. And you for do sure. a great job of helping people decide, hey, what are those? But then if you see those three to five, yep, you, you have to be ready to, uh, to jump, really. And then you think you got to be ag aggressive in this market. I mean, you're not going to be able to go in below list in this market. Um, and, you, of course, you're going to give guidance on that, not me. Yeah. I'm the finance guy, not the choose-the-home guy, right? Right. Well, and I, I always look back at it, too, because they do. Um, and I think it starts early, as we alluded to. I love the people when we sit down in my office and we have that conversation on expectations, right? I mean, we just helped somebody in December, um, and I had that conversation. And she was like, Ryan, I thought you said this was going to be tough. <laughs> I was expecting to lose out on five, six, seven homes. The third house we found, we liked it, we wrote on it, we got it. What's the deal? You know, like, but that sometimes it happens. But it was the expectation when you actually sit down and you help somebody plan or you prepare them for the expectation. Um, doesn't always happen that way, but like it starts there in my opinion. And I know we've had an influx of agents uh, get into the industry. Our, our bar to enter is extremely low. I think that's going to change because of the market conditions and you know just inventory in the competition but it, it it to me we need to work together um agents on both sides of the table whether you're on the listing side and the buyer side it's all about communication this buyer wants a house the seller wants to sell a house how can we make this happen it's not like i'm going to try to beat up the listing agent to go in and try to get you, you know, below price or asking price because that doesn't happen today. The deal is getting you inside that house. That's really the deal. How do we make it happen within your parameters? And that makes the most sense. My job is, you know, to help you understand that, uh, lay out, you know, the uh, uh, all the options and let the buyer choose. Now, sometimes they do want to, you know, they want it so badly that they're willing to, you know, pay that premium. But majority of the time, people will look at it and be like, that after here or these options, this doesn't make sense. If somebody else is willing to do that, we put our best foot forward. You know, so it's it's always interesting to hear, you know, another perspective because uh, again, I always have my own, but you know, having you know somebody else kind of validate some of that is always good. Well, you know, you talked about the woman we helped in December. You and I were exactly zeroing in on the right message, right? Okay. You, but it was a team. It was a team effort, exactly. But we both we both said the exact same messaging, yep. which to me is why you have to partner with professionals. Because um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to pick on the lending side. You picked on the real estate side a little <laughs> bit of professionals. I'm going to pick on the lending side a little bit. So during the time of the cheap rates and it was a refi boom, many lenders went to being refi, just refinance, refinance, refinance. During that period of time, Fairway became the second largest purchase lender in the nation. Unfortunately, the, the largest is a little bit ahead of us yet, and it's a, it's a big bank. I'm going to leave it at that. We're not going to say who the competition is. But a lot of people would say, really? How did Fairway grow so much? Because we never left the realtors hanging. We were always there. Lending has always been, purchase lending has always been one of our primary businesses. We want to be 80 mm -hmm. plus percent purchase lending. So that's a different mentality 
And someone was helping people refinance, and now they're like, oh, I'm going to go help someone purchase. But there's not the planning. There's Like we were saying, a year, two years in advance, those, those lenders do not do the same service to those clients. And they don't talk about what payment fits and spending the time working on a budget together and doing all those things and saying, what are the priorities? The other thing I'll say is, it's April. We're going into buying season. And you know what's funny is, I've had people tell me that July is a terrible time to buy. I've had people tell me April is a terrible time to buy. I've had people tell me December is a terrible time to buy. Quite honest, when you're ready to be a homeowner, there's not a bad time to buy. Like, I think she actually took advantage of December a little bit. Because I know a bunch of the buyers that I had pre-approved at the time said, we're taking off to mid-January, we're going to pass New Year's, and then we're going to start looking again. I think some of them could have found homes in that time frame, but they wanted to wait. Yeah, the last two years, that was some of my advice. And it still will be, you know, because we're, we're watching the market. If you want, you know, kind of quote unquote that deal, right? November, December, January can be some of the best months to buy. Now, I will always tell my buyers, you have to be ready, though, because that right. same opportunity could come up in the summer or the spring. But to your point, some people take time off or they just kind of automatically kind of are checked out. They're sick of you know getting beat up on multiple offers or whatever the situation is. But sellers that have their houses listed during those times, they mean to sell. Correct. They don't just test the waters <laughs> when snow's on the ground. Let's you know, let's think about this a little bit more. So it's it's definitely yeah. But yes, we had the the team approach, um, which I think is a big deal when you align yourself with the right team and the right messaging and the right preparation and the planning and all of it that goes into it because. Again, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars for people to get into, whether it's the first house or second house, whatever. That doesn't matter. It's more about making sure they're getting the best overall experience, period. Period. And and as long as they know what they're looking for, and you know what? They're looking at primarily those homes. And here's something I would recommend every client, um, absolutely every client. Once you figure out that payment that fits in your financial life, then you reverse engineer that into your purchase price. And then do not look above that purchase price. And you're already laughing at me, Ryan. You well, because we, we set the parameters a little bit below that because we, you know, if it is in a neighborhood that we know, you know, that is going to go above and beyond or if it's going to get in multiples again, we want to be smart, smart and strategic about it. Because the last thing we want them to fall in love with a place and then they just don't have an opportunity, right? right? So even if it's a $400,000 max, like we're going to say, hey, let's look closer to 350, 375 because of these. You know, you're going to probably have to have a little bit to go in above and beyond um, because that's just the, the market today. And, you know, again, people look at us, you know, hopefully for that guidance and they want to trust us after we've earned their trust by going through the right steps in the process. This isn't something we just met, you know, the day prior you know, through online system or a lead generation, and then we're just showing them the house, and then they're asking, well, what do we do, right? Like, my style, and I know yours is too, is build that relationship with them Correct. and earn that trust. So when they do look at you for advice, they're going to take it. And that gives, I don't want to keep showing houses. If this is the one you want, let's go after it. Let's make it happen. 100% agree. I, I, you know, I couldn't have said it better. It, it's absolutely, we have to be focused in on that. And... Uh, and, and like I said, I think it's going to be a fun spring. I think it's going to be a competitive spring, but I think people who are prepared are going to find their homes. I, I couldn't agree more. With some of the time we have left, uh, I want to talk a little bit, though, uh, on online lending, um, some of the you know, bait-and-switch stuff. Um, even with rates going up, you know, I've, I've had other conversations with other individuals and, and lenders and loan officers where because they quoted them, you know, three, four, five months ago, and now rates have gone up. 
Now they're have to having that conversation of like, again, like rates are moving up, but be cautious. You know, it's it's the buyer beware, right? Don't go after the the bait and switch, or the, you know, just you see an advertised rate, you see Quicken, you know, you see some of these lending treat. Like, be smart about it because there's always two camps, right? Like, you can go after that. It's the convenience. It might be cheaper, but the experience is questionable. The service can be questionable. You know, when you call in, where are you going? Who's actually answering that? I know we've worked with your team. You're getting somebody that has access. They can have direct access to you, direct access to your team. What's going on with my file? Where are things at? It's not the call center that you're just getting routed through some. So with everything going on, I know people are shopping rates and I always uh, cringe a little bit with that because you're not going to get the best service out there. Let me hit on the rate first, if I may. Yeah. Here is something that Unfortunately, most people don't understand. Thursday of last week, we had two rate increases intraday. That means the rate we started in the morning. Has that ever happened? Yeah, I've had as much as three. Okay. So that's a whole different story on a different subject. That's a few years ago. But here's the thing. Last week, the rates went up three-eighths of a point in the week, right? Yeah. This week, you know, rates are coming back down about a quarter of a point. Um, and keep in mind, credit score does matter. Sure. And guess who gets the highest increase quicker? The lower credit scores, which again is why they should be talking to us a year, six yep. months, two years in advance so we can help that. them get there. Um, but I always tell people this and they think, you know, well, does Don know what he's talking about? If you want to compare lenders, you got to call all of them within an hour. If you don't call them all within the same hour, someone has a competitive advantage. And it's funny because I've been in the situation where in the afternoon I'm quoting and they're like, well, this person said, I said, call them back. They call them back and they call me back, right? I had I had a gentleman here earlier this year. I'd quote him 3.875 on a Thursday. He was pumped. He got a home over the weekend. He got the purchase agreement in late on Monday. I called him Monday afternoon and I said, you're at 4.125. He got upset with me. He said, I'm going to call around. I said, that's certainly you're right. He called back Tuesday afternoon. He goes, you have the best rate in town. I said, well, the thing is, rates are working against us. Lock. Right. So we locked the rate, right? But this is what a lot of people don't understand. Like for me, if you go out to my office, there's a computer screen always up with the mortgage-backed security and the forecasting. I actually pay money out of my branch's pocket for forecasting. Your call center lender, your refi lender is not doing that. They're not giving you recommendations. So we're working to get you the best rate. Now that being said, you're right, someone's saying the call center is gonna get you the best rate. You know what they're not gonna do? Call that listing agent on a Saturday night at 9 p.m. Be available Sunday morning at 10 a.m. when you need a pre-approval letter. When you got three choices Sunday afternoon that you just saw and you want to know the price on every one down to the penny, they can't do it. Yeah. That's the service piece, right? Um, I just had a gentleman, I just helped buy two uh, investment properties. By the way, there's still real estate investments going <laughs> on too. If you want to buy investment properties, still great opportunities. In his, time, in his life, he's used five lenders. I'm number five. And he's like... We're the easiest process because we've spent all the money on technology. Um, we update people both technology-wise and human-wise every single week. So there's a service level that's going to be different, and there's an experience level. Mm -hmm. um, you're right. You talk about experience. I never like to talk about this too much because my team will probably throw <laughs> shoes at me. But we have over 60 years of lending experience just inside my team. And then you look up Fairways reviews online. 
We're the number one highest rated mortgage company in the nation. And that's the thing I always tell everybody. When you're looking at mortgage companies, look at the reviews. And some people go like, well, that doesn't really matter. Well, it sort of does. We do you not go to a restaurant because of some reviews? Or like, do you go to a restaurant because of some reviews? Just right. saying. Exactly. Well, we're going to close on time. We're, we underwrite in-house. We do all that, all that degree experience. I've known call center companies that have missed deadlines, right? And then you have potential, you know, what's going to happen between the sellers and the buyers because you know mm-hmm. now you got a whole negotiation process that could end ugly. It, yeah. So to me, it's important, and it's also important to have a lender <coughs> who's working with the realtor who's actually going to call the listing side and advocate for their client. Yeah. And, and uh, I think when all that's done well, the results are uh, speak for themselves. But I think when all those components aren't done well, um, then all the results speak for themselves again in a negative way. Yeah, and it's tough because no one really teaches you that, right? Like, I mean, no. they, they give you, you know, a license and they say, you know, here's your license to go sell real estate or to go, you know, provide loans, right? Like, and I think some of that... Um, Again, going back to it, like you got to be cautious. You got to be careful who you work with. Who you work with truly does matter. Um, and not every institution, bank, they have the same programs. And I think Correct. that's another big thing for people to realize. They're like, well, I can just use my local bank or credit union. But that doesn't necessarily mean you are going to get the best product that matches your situation again. And I, you know, I encourage people, you know, that's have that conversation early because you have it too late. Now you're trying to scramble and you might not have the right product, but now you want to make an offer. Like to me, like now we're sitting there like, you know, we're going to be like, we don't stand a chance at getting this house. So let's do all of it on the front end. And and I know, and again, I'm a big service. I, I like to take care of the clients and provide them that experience, you know, so then they do look back at it and they will call us both and be like, wow, that wasn't that hard. Like everyone makes it sound like, it's super hard to buy a house. Well, it can be if you want it to be or if you make it that, that challenging. So uh, partnering with the right people, I think, is a big thing. You know, I had a young couple, uh, first-time homebuyers, but they were actually buying in the $600,000 price range. So, I mean, that's another thing, first-time homebuyers now. And you would think as an agent, you're like, awesome, right? Like, they're, they're going to be gold and solid and, like, no competition. But that's not... That's not the case. That is not always the case. You are correct, Ryan. That uh, just loan size alone is not the indicator. But they had looked at a number of homes and had been working with them for a few months. And they came across one on a Sunday. And the listing agent actually wanted all the lenders to call. He wanted to present Sunday afternoon. They should have actually been looking at it on Saturday, but they didn't find it until Sunday. So they called me about 12.10 on a Sunday. They needed me to call the listing agent by 1 o'clock. Now, you know that happened with no problem. And they actually ended up winning this house. That's why I'm bringing this up. But if you had a call center, you have a credit union, you have a local bank, that call's not happening by 1 o'clock. And that listing agent was only going to take ones that they had spoken to the realtor and to the lender. Because um, they're going to get asked questions. Right. Do you do in-house lending? How does the wire work? How does all these components work? Um, I think the big one is where the file is at. Are they Correct. do you have their information? Are they almost, you know, do you, do you have everything to actually pre-approve them or are they already pre-approved and ready to go, you know, basically the, the soft underwritten um, file? That's exactly correct. I, I agree. Um, and that's one thing too if I can make a, a lot, you know, a joke of this. Guess what? 
as a lender, we are only asking what we really, really need for documents. We don't want one extra document if we can avoid it because it just means more work for us. I'm just going to be selfish, okay? But the documents we do request, we do actually need. And um, that's something, too, that's a little different because on a car loan, I don't know how it was for your last car loan release. My last car loan, with my, with the, I'm very blessed. I have a good, great credit score. I didn't really need to show anything. I just need to sign a few docs, and out, right. out the door I went. Car, uh, a home loan is never going to be that simple. It's just different. Um, so we do need documents. You just yeah. need to be prepared for that. Yeah, and it's it's not to uh, you know uh, challenge you know your what you make and all that. It's necessary today because of the rules and the regulations and everything. So those that are listening, like please don't think we're just asking for these. You know, just to ask for them because they're not. We, we want to make sure you're, you're extremely qualified to be able to handle it. And you should be thankful because we don't want to put you in a situation where you're not able to afford a property because that only causes more issues down the road. That's exactly correct. Uh, you know, we really want people who are going to be great homeowners, you know, are happy being homeowners and are well prepared to be homeowners. And uh, I think that's the perfect world, right? They, they, they have a home, they uh, gain wealth, and, you know, eventually maybe they move up or they do something different. Yeah. But it puts them in a great situation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, we're about out of time. So with that, um, anything else you want to, uh, to cover quick or anything else you want to leave the listeners with? The last thing I would say, I'm going to go back to reverse mortgage for just a moment. Please. If you, if you know either your parents or your grandparents, if they're over 62 and they've ever thought of moving they need to call Ryan. Um, because here is the thing, most people over the age of 62 thought about moving, and a lot of them don't think they can. And a lot of it comes down to the home valuation. So to me, they gotta have you out to look and say, what's the valuation of this home? What would moving look like? It's very possible it doesn't make sense for them, they don't wanna do that. But to me, they should at least have the conversation, mm -hmm. uh, because it's like all other yep. types of conversations, at least get enough information to be able to make a great decision and I think most people in that particular market don't have enough knowledge yet um, to make great decisions. So that's something I would just challenge everyone when they hear anyone, parents, grandparents, 62 or older, say, you know, wonder what moving would look like, or man, this house doesn't know if it fits us anymore. They should give you a call. And uh, you go do a, you know, a market analysis and see what that looks like. Sure. That's my, that's, those are my last thoughts. <laughs> Well, once again, thank you for your time. Uh, where can actually people find you, Dom? Just in you know, in today's uh, social media and web world. <laughs> well, you will find me. Uh, I, yeah, you'll find me a lot on Facebook, a lot on LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me under Team. That's T E A M Dominic D O M I N I C dot com. That's my website. If you go out there and look in the upper right hand corner, you click on. Um, information you're going to see a whole bunch of videos that i've done i've done about eight videos for first-time home buyers eight videos for move up buyers uh if you're you know financial advisor i got videos out there for you i got videos out there for attorneys so i got a lot of a lot of information out there a lot of uh, education so i do highly recommend that otherwise look for me on social media i'm out there. and a lot of experience so he's he's been through a lot of the markets and he can you know point in the right direction and get get the things done that need to get done to actually get those uh get you into the house that you want. So, well, yeah. it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you, Ryan. It's always great seeing you. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I always love talking about the market, so. Much appreciated. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, everyone.